Today's talk is part of the ophthalmology series, and we'll be looking at glaucoma. As always, please remember to share these episodes with your peers, and check out all of our other episodes on the podcast platforms, such as Apple and Spotify. Glaucoma is one of the largest causes of irreversible blindness worldwide. It can be defined as an optic neuropathy with death of retinal ganglion cells and their optic nerve axons. The vast majority of cases are associated with an increased intraocular pressure due to faults with aqueous humor drainage. Therefore, it is helpful to understand the normal physiology of aqueous humor production, flow, and drainage within the eye. The function of the aqueous humor is to provide nutritional and structural support to the anterior segment. Remember, the anterior segment of the eye is essentially everything that lies in front of the lens and is made up of the anterior and posterior chambers. So aqueous humor is produced by the ciliary body and travels into the posterior chamber first and then through the pupil and into the anterior chamber. From here, the aqueous humor drains into the canal of Schlem, which is located at the junction of the iris and the cornea. The angle at this junction is covered by a spongy tissue called the trabecular meshwork. This whole drainage system allows the eye to maintain a consistent pressure. A normal intraocular pressure would be between 10 millimeters of mercury to 21 millimeters of mercury. Intraocular pressure rises when any part of these drainage channels are blocked, which causes an increase of aqueous humor within the anterior segment. This pressure further increases the pressure at the back of the eye, including at the site of the optic nerve. And this eventually leads to damage of the retina and the optic nerve with subsequent visual loss. So now that we understand the physiology of aqueous humor production and how intraocular pressure can rise, we can take a closer look at glaucoma and its classification. Glaucoma is typically classified as open angled glaucoma or closed angle glaucoma. For the majority of this lecture, we're going to focus on primary open angle glaucoma, as this is the most common type. As the name suggests, in primary open angle glaucoma, the angle between the iris and the cornea is open and is not causing any mechanical obstruction itself to the flow of the aqueous humor. This therefore suggests that the trabecular meshwork may have a blockage or narrowing that is causing an increased resistance to the outflow of aqueous humor and therefore contributing to a rise in intraocular pressure. So glaucoma may be congenital, where there may be an abnormal formation of the trabecular meshwork, but it can also be acquired, and it's important to understand the risk factors. By far the greatest risk factor for primary open angle glaucoma is raised intraocular pressure. It's important here to again clarify that a raised intraocular pressure is a risk factor and is not the definition of glaucoma. Other risk factors include an increasing age and also ethnicity, where individuals of African-Caribbean descent are at an increased risk, 
in these individuals, onset of the disease may be earlier and its progression may be faster. Family history is also important to consider, especially if the individual has a first-degree relative with primary open-angled glaucoma. So let's have a look at the symptoms in the presentation. Glaucoma is usually asymptomatic in early disease, and many cases are actually identified incidentally when patients visit the optician or their GP. Some important features to note is that it is painless, it has an insidious or chronic onset, there is no red eye, and it is the peripheral vision that is initially lost. So the patient may tell you about trouble with steps, crossing the road, having falls, and if left untreated, they will eventually develop tunnel vision. And as the disease progresses, this will begin to affect their central vision too. So what do we need to look at when making a diagnosis? Well, we need to look at the intraocular pressure and the Goldman Applanation Tonometry, or the GAT, is the gold standard to do this. It's also important to know that when we look at the IOP, we measure it in conjunction with the central corneal thickness. And this is because thinner corneas may lead to an underestimation of the true intraocular pressure and vice versa. We can also assess the anterior chamber angle using gonioscopy. Some important features of the optic disc to know is the characteristic increased cup to disc ratio. The normal ratio is 0 0.4 to 0 0.7. You may also see signs such as neuroretinal rim thinning or notching or vessel bayonetting. The disc may seem to have focal atrophy or small hemorrhages. A final part of the investigation is to do a visual field examination and perimetry is a gold standard technique to do this. So now we can take a look at the management. As always, management can be split into medical or surgical. In the medical management, we are aiming to either decrease the production of aqueous humour or increase its outflow from the eye. And there are a number of different classes to do this. I'm going to briefly talk about the different classes and their side effects, and then we'll look at the surgical management. So in terms of drugs, one of the first classes that is very common with glaucoma is prostaglandin analogues, such as latanoprost or troviprost. And these aim to increase uveoscleral outflow of the aqueous humour. Side effects of prostaglandin analogues include brown pigmentation of the iris, red eye, eyelash growth, and periocular skin pigmentation. Beta blockers can also be used topically, such as timolol or bitaxolol, and these aim to decrease aqueous humor production. It's important to have caution in patients who have asthma or heart block, and side effects include dry eyes, corneal anesthesia, and decreased exercise tolerance. Some drugs, such as alpha-adrenergic agonists, both increase the outflow of aqueous humour and decrease its production. An example of this is bromonidine. But it is important to avoid if the patient is taking any tricyclic antidepressants or MAO inhibitors. Side effects include lethargy and dry mouth. Carbonic anhydrase inhibitors are another class of drugs, such as dozolamide, which aim to reduce the aqueous humour production. These are contraindicated in pregnancy 
and side effects include lethargy, dyspepsia, hyperkalemia and paresthesia. Finally, mitotics are commonly prescribed, such as pilocarpine, and these aim to decrease resistance to the outflow of the aqueous humour. Because these cause meiosis, other side effects can include headache, blurred vision and brow ache, which occurs from ciliary muscle spasm. So now let's have a look at more invasive options. Patients can undergo trabeculoplasty, which is essentially using laser to increase aqueous humour outflow. It is particularly useful for patients where compliance is an issue and may actually offer a more cost-effective treatment option than medical management. In refractory cases of glaucoma, a trabeculectomy can be used, where a pressure valve is inserted at the limbus and this allows an aqueous flow into a conjunctival bleb, basically allows for another passage of the aqueous humour drainage. So now that we've had a basic look at primary open-angled glaucoma, let's take a look at acute closed-angled glaucoma. In contrast to open-angled glaucoma, the angle between the iris and the cornea is narrow, and this prevents sufficient outflow of aqueous humour from the eye. In turn, this leads to an acute increase in the intraocular pressure. Acute closed-angle glaucoma can either be primary or secondary to an underlying pathology, such as proliferative diabetic retinopathy. In primary closed-angle glaucoma, hyperopes are at an increased risk due to the smaller size of their eyes, and therefore a smaller size of the angle between the iris and the cornea. So the typical patient will present with an acute onset red eye and severe ocular pain associated with nausea and vomiting. They may also complain of a headache and even abdominal pain in some cases. In regards to their vision, they will have a decreased visual acuity and the patient may complain of seeing halos around lights. On examination, the pupil is typically semi-dilated and the cornea may appear hazy. Intraocular pressure will be markedly increased, so treatment is required promptly in order to prevent severe visual loss. Medical treatment usually involves a triad of beta blockers and IV acetazolamide in an attempt to decrease intraocular pressure. Once we have stabilised the pressure, laser iridotomy is usually performed. This is usually curative and involves removing a small piece of the iris at the 12 o'clock position, which allows for a new drainage channel for the aqueous humour to flow through. Potential complications of an iridotomy can include visual loss or central retinal artery or vein occlusions. So that brings us to the end of our whistle-stop tour of glaucoma. Thank you very much for listening, and we hope you found it useful. Please give us your feedback via the Apple Podcast channel, or you can send us a message on Instagram. Please remember to share with your friends and peers, and we've got plenty of more useful talks coming up for you, so please stay tuned for those. Thank you very much.